As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey guys, Ralph Marlbro here. We need your support to keep Saints Happy Hour going this offseason. Please support the show by becoming a patron so we can continue to cover the Saints in the ridiculous fashion you've come to expect. If you support the show, you get access to the podcast ad-free. No ads ever. Plus, you get our world-famous booze bundle, four swag items, amazing. And you get access to our private Discord channel where you can talk Saints 24-7. So please support Saints Happy Hour so we can keep this amazing community growing. Support the show at SaintsHappyHour.com today. This is Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. What's with this Saints Happy Cast? This has to be the worst Saints podcast in the world. Ralph can't say anyone's name right. Andrew doesn't know football. Everyone has a hard time listening to Dave. And is Kevin even there tonight? The audio with this podcast, my God, the audio, it's, it's painful. All right, everybody, welcome into another special edition of Saints Happy Hour Podcast. We got a great guest today. This is one of Andrew's buddies and my Twitter buddies. Uh, Andrew, tell the people who we got on. And First of all, we have him on because there's no level we will not stoop to to win awards. We want this award. We want to win Louisiana Podcaster of the Year. for the, And we finished second last year. So we got this guy. Tell the people who we got on tonight to help us win. Yeah, we, we got Raymond Parts third. And I, I just have to say, so he, he's... Uh, nice enough to have me on his show in Lafayette, 103.7 The Game. It's it's a great radio station. They're awesome over there, and they cover everything. I mean, they cover all Louisiana sports. They do an amazing job, and they're super locked in. They know their stuff, uh, and yet they have me on. So it's like they have these great guests. Like a lot of times I'm coming on after former Saints players, Jake DeLome, Mike Dettelier, and then you got Andrew Juge coming on the show. So we, it is I weird. don't know, I don't know why Raymond pities me like this. Uh, it, I feel very fortunate, and he's maybe he, I don't know, he takes kindly to uh, <laughs> you know lost souls or something. But anyway, uh, no, no, I take great. kindly to you paying me twenty dollars per week via PayPal for uh, you coming on the show. That's right. The check is in the mail, by the way. Uh, but anyway, it's Raymond Parson III, 1037 The Game. Thank you so much for coming on. We're, we're psyched to have you, man. Yeah, I was. Hey, man, and, I appreciate you having me. And, and Raymond, I, we were talking before the show. I want you to tell the people about you are married to a lunatic Saints fan. Uh, explain to the people just how crazy she is, and then I'll explain to the people how crazy my wife, my Astros wife is. But explain to the people how intense your Saints wife's fandom is. Well, uh, let's see. We, you ever seen the movie Fever Pitch? And you know how they they fall in love, and Drew Barrymore thinks that 
she's involved with someone who's, you know, a normal, you know, nice guy, very reserved, doesn't get too animated, and, and they fall in love and they date when it's not baseball season. Well, before you before that. before you go any further, Raymond, you're the Drew Barrymore in this analogy. Yes, yes, yes. I'm the Drew okay. Barrymore in this scenario. Just making yes. sure. <laughs> yes. I'm the Drew Barrymore in this scenario. And so me and my wife, we fall in love. We get engaged. We even went on vacation to Alaska together. I actually saved her life. That's a story for another day. So we fall in love. And she's like, she tells me that she's a Saints fan. And I'm thinking the same thing like a lot of guys think. Oh, yeah. She says she's into sports. She says she likes football. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. That, that's nice. You know, I, I dated a girl once in high school that said she loved the Wu-Tang Clan. And come to find out, she only bought a soundtrack with one song on it so she can impress me. So... You know, so, you know, you, you, you have your reservations on these kind of things. So we get together at my house to watch a Saints game. And she brings her dog, her little Yorkie. And I have my, my dog, Tucker. And we're trying to bring our little family together, so to speak. And right as the ball is kicked off, her little dog runs and hides. And I, I think to myself in a split second, well, that's foreshadowing. That's a, mm. that, that's a sign of things to come. And the, the, the game begins. And the Saints have the ball, and Drew Brees throws an incompletion. And my wife just jumps out of it. My future wife just jumps out, jump off of the couch, and she goes, come on, Drew, come on, let's do better. What are you doing, Drew? What are you doing? The dogs scatter, the cat scatters, the neighbors call the police because it sounds violent. And at that moment, I knew, yeah, this is the person I'm going to spend the rest of my did life you, Did you? Right I was going to say, did you propose right then and there? Because I personally <laughs> i had already proposed but i knew then <laughs> this is this is the keeper right here uh she's beautiful she uh loves me she's a great cook and uh, she's very passionate about her her saints yeah i had a similar experience with uh with 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 um you know my wife my, you know yeah my wife she uh, so we were dating in 2008 and she's like i love the astros i'm like oh that's cool i'm like why don't you come over and watch a game so and i'm like i'm like we'll see so she'll she comes over and it's the the first inning and miguel tejada made some sort of base running error i forget exactly what he did but he got thrown out at third she lost her mind and I was like, it's April. She's like, I don't give a fuck when it is. Every game is the same to me. And I was like, wow. And the thing is, she's not kidding. She treats every game the same, whether it's spring, whether it's April, whether it's game seven of the World Series. It is an intensity that I cannot believe she sustains every baseball season it is she's a lunatic like i i i couldn't i couldn't do that like it's one thing to do it guys for like the saints where it's like 16 weeks or now it's 17 but to do it 162 times like she does it's it's she's she's a crazy person we are on the locker room app every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. Talking Saints, talking NFL, talking draft. It's amazing. You can interact with us, goof to us. You can make fun of me, pronounce, mispronounce names. You can ask serious draft questions about Andrew. We're having a blast talking Saints live. All you have to do is go download the locker room app for free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and then join the NFL group. 
follow me at Saints Happy Hour to be notified when the room goes live. We'll be going live every Wednesday at around 9 o'clock to talk Saints, to talk draft, and basically to make fun of me mispronouncing names. So do it. Download the Locker Room app today and then join us live every Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Sports. Culture. Takes. Take Line has it all. Take Line is a weekly podcast hosted by Emmy winner Jason Concepcion and former WNBA champ Renee Montgomery. That's a fast-paced exploration of the NBA and the world of sports and culture. Each week, Jason and Renee talk about the games, players, controversies, and issues that run both on and off the court. Follow Nail to hear Take Line every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. Raymond me and you, uh, we share. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think a bond in that Andrew thinks you might be my burner account on Twitter because we both (laughs) hate Bobby Hebert. And we both are Aaron Brooks stands. And I want to get into that, uh, that you and me – to me – Aaron Brooks is the second best quarterback in Saints history, and if you if you if you argue that, like it's it's stupid. It's a it's a weird thing, right? So growing up, I, I lived in the West Bank, so I was around for those great late '80s, early '90s teams of the Saints. Okay, and I always remember back. I know the Cannon, who I've had on my show. Okay, and he, look, he he he's a great he's a great personality. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Everyone remembers that. Yeah, but he wasn't even the most popular guy on his own team. And you know, in those days, it was Dome Patrol, and it was like Morton Anderson, right? Yeah. Or, or don't, or don't you dare, don't you dare forget Dalton Hilliard. Dal- yeah. And Dalton, right? So there were so many other guys that were so great and popular on that team. And it's not to knock on Bobby. Bobby had a great career. Started off, you know, uh, playing in you know Did in the USFL. He <laughs> made a name for himself. But Aaron Brooks, it, here, here's what I say to people. I go, you realize Aaron Brooks was coached by Jim Haskell. You do understand that Aaron Brooks was coached by a man who continually drafted linebackers who couldn't tackle to be put on his team. You, you and and he played. He couldn't. He couldn't identify a good linebacker. And, and he, he played, he played the position. Yes, he, he, he was linebacker. a Pro Bowl linebacker. He, so you would think he would be able to go. Hmm. That guy there, he doesn't tackle. Probably shouldn't draft him. Oh, what the hell? We'll draft him. I know what I'm doing. I'll convert him. So, in Brooks, I, I think it's this weird thing where he gets left behind a, a, a lot 
because we so focus on Drew and we focus on what he and Sean Payton did. And here's Aaron Brooks who works his way up, comes, if I remember right, Green Bay, right? He was one of the great backup, yeah. far backups that they, they that would go on to become starters and successful quarterbacks. But, I mean, he, he takes over for Jeff Blake and leads them. The, the, the quarterback who leads the Saints to their first playoff victory and puts up really nice stats is Aaron Brooks. And I don't, you know, I, I had him on the show, not to flex, but I had him on the show, and I found him to be very – his time, the way it ended in New Orleans, still bothers him. Like, it still, it still bothers him that Katrina – season it bothers him how it ended and I remember being there in the stands watching him having been benched for Todd Bauman who goes out there and commits five turnovers at Tiger Stadium in the Katrina in the finale and against the Panthers and I just I just go look Bobby has all the personality Bobby has the charisma right he has the name he's from the state and everything like that but man Aaron Brooks there's there's a definite neglect when it comes to his appreciation, was he great? Was he, you know, a, a great quarterback? No, but he was a very good quarterback for a short period of time when this franchise needed him the most. And he, I mean, I don't know. Look, Aaron Brooks brought out the best out of Joe Horn. Here's yeah. the here's the thing. With, I'm looking at Bobby A. Bear's pro football reference. It is a disaster. Like. <laughs> That dude, he never threw more than 20 touchdown passes for the Saints. And here's the thing. Like, people, people will argue Bobby. They, 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 they look back and they're like, well, you know, he just managed the game for the Saints. They had that great defense. Dude, he was – I was going to say, he did have Carl Smith. To, in his defense, he did have Carl dude, Smith. Dude, he was a turnover machine. He had – He was. It, 1992, where the Saints defense gave up 200 and I think four points for the season – Bobby Bear, he started all 16 games. He threw 19 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Like, and he only got sacked 15 times. So, like, this idea that Bobby was some sort yeah, of – Yeah, you're, and your job description in 92 when you have that defense is just don't fuck it up. Like, that's, that's the only job description you have. I, I think I've said this story on this podcast before, but I'm going to say it again. At, I'm at my honeymoon in Maui and I, you know, I had a fancy honeymoon thanks to my parents. They sent me. Oh, here. that's flex. That, that's a flex. Yeah, there, that, yeah I that's know. Humble brag, humble brag. But uh, so I, I show up, you know, and I'm on the top floor of the, of the four seasons in Maui. And the first person I see is Paris Hilton. Second person I see is, is Joe Montana. So my wife and I are just like, Holy shit. Like, where are we? Like, this is, this is unbelievable. Like what, what kind of a joke place is this? And we end up hanging out with Joe Montana and we were there the whole week. And uh, yeah, I get to spend some time with him. Super nice guy. But, you know, early into the trip, I disclosed like, look, I'm, I'm a diehard Saints fan. Just so, you know, and he kind of looks at me and he had had several drinks in him at this point, you know, cause he was there with his family, like vacationing and uh, he was a little sauced up. And so he looks at me and he just goes, yeah, man, the Saints, great defense, that quarterback sucked. He just looks at me like that and he says it. And he's just like, and, and so like, I just want you guys to know, like you, you think it's a hot take, but Joe Montana agrees with you. I mean, and Bobby, what we fans talk about drew Brees being bad in the, in the Tampa game. 
Bobby was atrocious in all the goddamn Saints playoff games. Like that's like mm. Bobby Abair was probably the main reason they didn't win. For for sure that he's the main reason they didn't win against Atlanta. Like he was atrocious in that game. You know. Oh, I, I would I, I would argue that um, you could also point to that Philadelphia game. Yeah. I mean, well, I, let's I, talk, just... let's talk about that, Raymond. Give us. Yeah, I know you got a story for us on that. Yeah, one. give us that one. So so. One of my best friends, shout out to Mike Doyle. So we go to we're 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 headed. We we it's the it's the last game there of the Katrina year, and they're playing at Tiger Stadium, so it's the last home game. And we get cheap tickets. I mean, and no one's there, right? I don't know if you guys remember that, but no one was there. Yeah. I mean, they they had the poor sensations out there struggling to get people to to take take calendars and. Everything like that. So it was my brother and myself and my buddy Mike, and we become really good friends. But this guy, when, when I when I tell you he is the epitome of chill, just so chill, never gets angry about anything. I mean, nothing. You, you could go. I seen him his his car break down. I'm like, Mike, man, are you okay? And he's like, Yeah. What are you gonna do? I mean, you know, it is what it is. I mean, <laughs> that's how he kind of you know he just laid back. He he'll you know he'll just drink some whiskey at night and he'll he'll be fine. And so we're leaving the game, and that's the famous Todd Bauman four or five turnover game. And, and I just can't, I still can't, that's the one thing that just stands out to me about that game. You know, and, I was really hoping that you wouldn't say the words Todd Bauman on this show. I was happy when they did that because I wanted Reggie Bush. I was like, tank, tank, True. tank. <laughs> so we're driving back, and the cannon is on doing the post game, right? And so we're listening to it. We're stuck in traffic, uh, leaving Tiger Stadium. Imagine that. And we're stuck in traffic, and we're just sitting there. And my buddy Mike is in the passenger seat with me. And I'm like, okay. And we're listening to the cannon. He's breaking it down and breaking it out how bad Todd is and where the organization's at and just going on his, you know, his Bobby kind of rant. And when I say I, I've never been so fearful for my life, <laughs> my buddy just turns and he looks at my radio, and he's like, oh, really, Cannon? Really? Well, F you. You remember when you threw those three second half interceptions when we were leading the Eagles? And I'm sitting in my living room thinking, we're finally going to win a playoff game. But no, the cannon has to turn over the ball, not once, not twice, but three times and cost us the game. We had the dome patrol, you doofus. F you, cannon. You ruined my childhood. You made me cry for three days. I hate you. He's not wrong. And my brother, the whole time, is just in the back seat. And I just see him in the rearview mirror. And my brother's like, he's just like, oh my God, what has just happened? And I look to my <laughs> buddy and I'm like, I'm like, hey, bud, how's it going? <laughs> you know, you, you, you feel better now that you, that you, you, you released all that pent up aggression from when you were like Damn. 11 years old. It's real trauma, though. It came, it came, it all came back. You know, they say like when you have traumatic things happen in your life, they get stored away and they just come, they bubble back up when you least expect it. And it just, it happens, you know, it's trauma. I feel like life. the modern day saint is, is Roman Harper, right? Like he's the guy yeah. where people think back to the San Francisco playoff game and that's. Right? Is that is that the modern day version of that? Mm, that's a. You know, I, I, but no, I, I would think the modern day version for a lot of the modern fans, right, is going to be Marcus Williams. Oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and that and and that guy's never going to live that down. But at least you know he's he's efforting and and and, and trying. And and you're right. You you think back. He did get franchise thing- tagged though. Roman Harper never got franchise tagged. No, he never. He, he yeah. great run defender. He had no business in pass coverage ever. <laughs> I um, think Marcus Williams. He kind of gets he kind of gets pushed to the side because of Vinovich with the Rams. Like it just. Oh yeah. It just gets. The thing the the, the thing that that scar, that scar, I think will scar me forever is Dan Arnold. I'll just like God, you got to catch that pass from a man. I just mm. forever and ever. Yeah, not to be well, not yeah. to be painful. I like I get back to the Bobby Abair slander. I I just like my thing about him is it's nostal- it's nostalgia, it's cloudy memory, and he wasn't that good. I'm more sympathetic to Archie than I am to Bobby because Archie, they ruined him and he had no shot at winning and looking at his stats and saying he's terrible is not really fair. Bobby, he was given an all time great defense and not saying the saints could have won a super bowl because the NFC was loaded then, but he squandered it and he ruined Jim Mora's legacy is all I'm saying. And, and, and not to forget a lot of saints fans will be angry with Oren Anderson about going to the Falcons, but Bobby did the same thing, right? Yes. So yes, that's God. That, I that, hate that's to hear that. I hate to hear that. Sorry. And he gets a pass for that, which is a which is an odd, an odd thing here in the state. Now it has to be because, obviously, Bobby is from here. He's the local kid, right? He grew up here. He went to Northwestern State, the whole nine yards. I get it, but. He gets a pass for going to Atlanta. I mean, T-Bob grew up right in Atlanta, in the suburbs of Atlanta. So I just, you know, he, he, he gets a little bit of a pass. And then he's also is allowed to ask the first question after a national championship lost by LSU, which really is not a question, but yet he's allowed to after his son was benched during the season. I'm not for sure how that was even allowed. <laughs> but you know, I'm in the press I mean, box in the not only, covering the championship game. Not only and did the Bobby, first question is coach, coach, coach. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, no. Bobby has a microphone. Yeah. And, and you know that was gonna go south because you, I could smell the alcohol through the TV. Like I was like for the post game. They showed that on ESPN. It was wild. I, I, look, the thing with me with Bobby Hebert and also Morton Anderson was a pro, man. And I know he went to the Falcons and part of, you know, you can blame the Saints because they didn't pay him. But Morton Anderson, he made – I remember at the time when he went to the Falcons, he made three 50-yard kicks. He was the first kicker to ever do it. Three 50-yard kicks in one game against the Saints. And it was sickening. It was sickening to watch. And obviously he celebrated with his teammates as he made the kick. But, you know, he was a pro and you know, he went about his business. Bobby Abair, the first time he threw a touchdown in New Orleans with the Falcons, he went to the 50-yard line flapping his arms like he was a Falcon, like he was a bird. Yeah. And so he, he Bear was not good enough to pull it off, and yet he had a flair for the dramatic. He had a flair for ribbing fans and kind of showing people up. And so, you know, yeah. like, you know, I don't know, man. As a Saints fan, you don't forget that stuff. And for me, look, I, I I don't hate Bobby. I, you know, I, I, I find him to be entertaining, uh, but he is beloved. I mean, he's so beloved that he has his own restaurant. That's very popular. 
I, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. In, in lore, he's part of the Saints broadcast. Like, he's still part of you know the Saints broadcast team, and it's just a, a weird thing where he somehow endeared himself so much. And is it is it? Do we overthink it? Do we just think they remember, like you said, Ralph, the nostalgia? They think of all oh, those great Jim Moore teams, but then they think, hey, here's a guy that sounds like he's from Louisiana. Is it just simply it. the fact that he's from Louisiana? That's it. Because here's the thing: like, if you ask like a, a Saints fan, like they're like, give me a Bobby Abair moment, like give me a Bobby Abair Saints moment where like he did something amazing, and you were like, he drove him down, he won a big game, like. What will they, what will they say? They'll probably say, "Oh, the Monday night game in '91." He, he put he put Morton Anderson in field goal range. He he, you know, like you know, like yeah. he just he he wasn't he wasn't that good. Like like for Drew, we could have like a nine part series. You hell, you could have a, a a series of Aaron Brooks. Aaron Brooks was weirdly very good in two minute at the end of games, like which was kind of bizarre. But like you know, you know what else Aaron Brooks did. He won a playoff game. Yeah, he did. Throwing passes to Robert Wilson, Willie Jackson. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just Joe Horn was injured in that game. Everybody he was first that. series. First series, he the got first, hurt. The, the the first series. So you're bet. And, and let's be honest. You could argue Joe Horn was probably the best player on that team. Maybe it's Deuce, but I just you you he de- he doesn't have Joe Horn. Now everyone's going to credit what? What's the guy's name? The numbnuts that drop that decides to field the punt in in Muffin. That's a game. Yeah, okay, there we go. Um, so former Saint, former Saint as well. That, that that's part of it, but I mean, he still won the damn playoff game, and people for like it's this weird thing, and and this is what I worry about, and this is not a knock on Drew, but I feel like. Saints fans, a buddy of mine said this. He goes, there's Saints fans and there's Houdat Nation. And he goes, Houdat Nation only appeared when Drew Brees came and they drafted Reggie Bush. Saints fans date way back. And a lot of the older Saints fans, I feel, are worried. They they respect Aaron Brooks and they they remember him and they will tell you that, that he's the second-best quarterback probably in franchise history. But none of these younger fans of the last 15 years, they have no idea who Aaron Brooks is. And that's a weird thing because he was the quarterback – the season before Drew Brees took over. That's right. Yeah, the, the second best quarterback in Saints history to them is like Chase Daniel. They have a they have a <laughs> whole generation of Saints fans, and I was arguing with them today on Twitter, and I was just like, you know, if if they can be good and be ten and seven, and 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 you could get Jameis, or you can maybe you know if it falls right, and you get Ian Book, and you're not you're you're in the ten wins, and you're making the playoffs, like. That's good enough. You don't throw that away. And they're like, that's stupid mentality. Why would you want to be peak Cincinnati Bengals with Andy Dalton? I'm like, dude, you need to get you need to get your mind right and like accept that like another fr- Hall of Fame franchise quarterback might not come through the door and like the Saints are going to be like scrapping it out to get to the playoffs and it's going to it's not going to be this this cruise control where everything's clenched at Thanksgiving. That I remember in, in, in NFL history, I'm 42, I'll be 43. So since I can remember the NFL, I can tell you three times that I remember that a team was able to transition from one great quarterback to the next. Montana to Young, which of mm-hmm. course kills Saints fans. Payne Manning to Andrew Luck. Yep. 
and Favre to Rodgers. And that's, I mean, teams struggle, and so many teams just struggle to even find a guy like a Mark Bolger, right? Like A good quarterback that can get you a couple Pro Bowls and, you know, be Pro Bowl MVP and maybe win you a playoff game here and there. And but the, the, the Saints fan is a little spoiled. And they, 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 they're so – I tell them this. I go, look, I'm a believer in Jameis. I think Jameis, everything that I see, I, I believe that he is going to be good. I, I think you could see him throw for 3,500 yards, 28 touchdowns, 30 touchdowns, only like 15, 14 picks this year. I think Sean Payton's going to craft an offense for him. And Saint fan will be disappointed by that because it's not peak Drew Brees. Well, Drew Brees and Sean Payton were the perfect marriage. Drew Brees is a first ballot Hall of Famer. You think those guys grow in trees? I mean, they draft five, six quarterbacks every year in the first round, and only one of them, maybe sometimes two of them, are serviceable guys that stay in the league longer than five years. There are Bears just, fans you know, that are 90 years old that have never seen a good quarterback. <laughs> I'm just surprised that uh, Raymond didn't list Brian Greasy after John Elway. I, I'm just shocked that <laughs> oh, he would this. he would list that as you know. Uh, but Ray, uh, Raymond, you've been doing radio for a couple of years now. You've been nice to have me on, but you, but you've had some epic guests. I mean, you've had former Saints players, current Saints players. You've had Mike Dettelier comes on every week for you. So I know you have some good stories of kind of just modern day Saints, old time Saints. Uh, as you've covered this team. What what do you take from your years in radio now that you've been doing this for a while? What's kind of been the lasting memory of covering this team and that you could share with Saints fans and our listeners? From covering from covering the team, actually going to games, taking part in press conferences, all that kind of good stuff. Um, I, I was witness to multiple playoff heartaches, which is interesting. I, memories do do pop up, and I, I'll go back to the NFC Championship game. And there's no question whatsoever. And I wrote a column about this because I was in radio. I was just coming into radio, but I was covering the team for the Daily Iberian, the new Iberia where I was the managing editor. And I wrote a notebook that angered people and had them cancel their subscriptions (laughs) after the game. Because I wrote about the NOLA no call. Like I said, I even think I put it in the headline. And... I said it was a complete job, and and it was. It's one of the most atrocious things I've ever seen. I was in the press box. Most of us in the press box were like, oh, yeah, they're going to throw the flag. There's a flag on the field, and then when we turn around, there's no flag, and they're not calling anything. We're like, oh, Jesus. But I will say this about that. There's something weird about this most recent run about this team. And, yeah, they got robbed on that call. I make no bones about it. Drew Brees was not great in that game. Brandon right. Cooks treated the Saints secondary like it owed him money. <laughs> they did. And so there, there's there, there's other parts of the of of the game. And I think the the Nola no call distracts from the fact that there's something about this team in that most recent run where they were able to build the roster back up get over the seven and nines, and then come back to dominance again, the four straight division championships. That's – there's something about not not being able to close the door, and it was this weird feeling you had watching the team 
where they played, they had they had their worst moments. Marcus Williams is a good player. Playing, I think we can all agree that he's a good player. He's a good safety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had one awful moment against Minnesota, and they lose the game. Multiple guys did not have great games in the NFC Championship game. They lose that game. Everyone thinks about the Nola no call. Then they get embarrassed because I was at the next year's game against the Vikings. And I wrote about it then. I said the, door, the window's closed and they win another division championship. But it just felt like you let Kirk Cousins come into your house and yeah. beat you. Like, if, if you're an elite team, you win those games. There's there, there's no – there for me, there's no excuses. There's We, we use the Nola no call as the excuse, and I understand the, the hatred about it. But if your offense would have done its job, it wouldn't have come to that. If you wouldn't have let Brandon Cooks treat you uh, like a $2 hooker, you, it wouldn't have come to that. And there's something about that group of – those group of guys, immensely talented, probably the most talent they've had on the roster during this whole Sean Payton run, yet they were never able to put it together and get it done. And that, I think, is going to be the legacy for me as someone who covered the team because it's curious. You have all this talent. You have a mixture of vets and young guys, dynamic athletes, all different types of personalities, record sets left and right. And yet they didn't get it done. I mean, they didn't even get to a Super Bowl. Yeah, they never. It was like the Minnesota Vikings of Dante Culpepper, Randy Moss era. Like they never could get to a Super Bowl. They never. And they never could drop the hammer in the like in 2009, even in 2011. Right. They would drop the hammer on teams in the playoffs, and and they never really did, you know. Even in this in this in this whole four year run, they never had a playoff game of any sort where you were like, they're amazed that that they are on it today. They're going to crush this team. Like you never felt that in the playoffs. You never saw that. You're right. 2011 had been the same year where Breeze goes off duels with Matthew Stafford, right, in the wild card round. Yeah, Megatron and... had the great Megatron for. For, for Detroit, it's the single greatest sporting accomplishment I think I've ever witnessed in person. Like, he was f- an alien from a different planet. He had 200 yards receiving. The Saints were triple covering. It didn't matter. They couldn't stop him. And it didn't even matter for Detroit. I was, I was just, we were just laughing at it because the Saints, they didn't need to, just, if they just needed to score 60, they just scored 60. And, like, that's how incredible that team was, and they, they just never had that. You never felt you know. I never felt that once in a during a playoff game in this four year run. It and and you know it's it was just one always of those it always felt nervous, right? It, did. it always felt after they get off the seven and nine, and and maybe it was Drew's coming to the end, and you're you're getting. But they always played, and I've talked about this with Andrew on my show. Is they always seem to play tight. They always seem to play. They, they never seem to play loose. They remember they even kind of struggled a little bit with Nick Foles and the Eagles, even though they won that game. Oh like, yeah, lot. They didn't do so in dominant fashion. And you were like, I remember being at that game, and people were like, "Oh yeah, we won the game." And I'm thinking to myself, uh, "You won, but I don't know why it was a struggle because it shouldn't have been because on paper you are the far superior team." And and that's the thing that I think for Saints fans is the most frustrating that they're going to look back and they're going to go. We were the most talented team probably three of those four seasons in the entire conference. Didn't get to a Super Bowl. And that's – I don't know. That's And I, I can't explain it either. Like, I can't explain it 
part of it was some sometimes play calling was was head scratching sean has those moments is as brilliant as he is with the 2716 different plays he has on his laminated billboard he he, he makes he makes dumb he makes dumb calls and but you take that with the genius guys they always they're always going to have those calls that are going to frustrate you and you're going to you're going to scream at your tv about but it was i don't know they were just always anxious they like you said they they can never drop the hammer on an opponent and i just thought i yeah i just always thought wow and look and the most frustrating thing if they would have beat the rams Come on, they're winning that Super Bowl. They would have I crushed, mean, let's just be real. They would have crushed New England. They would have they, they, would, they, they would have had a week to rest. The offensive line would have, it would have been in Atlanta. They would have they would have worked New England like a speed bag. And New England only won that because New England figured out how to stop the Rams and confuse Goff. They like changed, you know, cuz what uh Goff, he gets to play in the helmet from McVeigh right up until the time. And as soon as the 15 seconds came, Bill Belichick would change the defense. And Goff didn't know what it was and was a basket case. Yeah, you know, Breeze would have had no problems with that. Yeah, exactly. No, no problems. And I've also said this before. I think he would have retired after that year if they went to the Super Bowl. Because he, Super Bowl week, he looked, he was the sad, he was a sad puppy. Super Bowl week, like you could see, it. like I think he, I said this, I think he came back nineteen in nineteen and twenty, because he wanted to win a Super Bowl for the team, for him, for the city. But in his heart, he wanted to win in twenty eighteen and say peace out. And he, in, in his ideal situation, he would have been doing Notre Dame football for two years. And the thing about it is, is that, you know, we saw him after the, the Tampa loss and he, he was on the field with his kids. Right. And, and a lot of people were videotaping it and, and show, sharing it on social media. But he did the same thing after the Rams loss. And I'm because I was wait, I, I stayed late because I was filing my stories. And I remember thinking to myself in that moment, I go, wow, this sure does feel like this sure does feel like. This was going to, he wanted this to be his swan song. Like he wanted to be the Elway and go out on top. Mm-hmm. And then, sure enough, it's one of those things, right, guys, where he pushes it and he comes back. And then what happens? The next two seasons, he's injured. Yeah. He's injured both seasons. It's almost like mm-hmm. that's the trade off. If you're going to push it and you're going to try to come back, well, you know, the universe is going to say, okay, but you're going to do it not at your best and you're not going to be 100%. And right. you're taking the yeah, fates, so to speak. You work hard and play hard, so treat yourself and stock up for summer barbecues with Kansas City Steak Company. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with code SD at checkout. For classic steak cuts to USDA Prime to American-style Kobe, hard-to-find specialty cuts, and more, Kansas City Steaks has everything you need to fire up the grill. They make it so easy. Each order from Kansas City Steaks is flash frozen and delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Imagine relaxing in the backyard with your family while enjoying steakhouse quality meals from Kansas City Steaks. Try their butter tender filet mignon, Kansas City strips, juicy steak burgers, all beef jumbo hot dogs, and even complete meal combos. Bring the steakhouse to your house this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Go to KansasCitySteaks.com and get 10% off your order and free shipping with the code SD at checkout. That's KansasCitySteaks.com code SD. KansasCitySteaks.com code SD. 
This week has tons of sports action as the MLB, NBA, and NHL are all in full swing. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sports news. Sign up for bonuses and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Ralph, uh, fire up the uh, breaking news siren here. We, we got to get to some hard hitting news some saints news here raymond, oh ex- goodness we got breaking saints Ray- news hit us with it andrew uh, raymond i'm expecting i'm expecting stats i'm expecting a raz score i'm expecting you know detailed intel the saints have signed free safety deuce wallace now listen when we get a player with the first name deuce those are big shoes to fill. Deuce Wallace from ULL, your neck of the woods. You know the player. What are what are we getting here? You're getting a team first guy who's probably going to be a practice squad player. I, I just I look. I, I liked Deuce. He was a team captain in high school for Jim Hightower at St. Thomas More, one of the better programs in the state, especially on the private school side. And he was a walk on. Like he went to the Raging Cajuns as a walk on. So he earned his way. And it's one of those guys that walked on and then he was a scout team for a year. Then he was a special teams cover guy. And then he finally broke out and was able to get some spot starts and was a part time starter. And then, you know, year long captain. He's the guy that they brought to Sunbelt Conference Media Day to talk to all the folks, you know, all the people in New Orleans. Good guy top-notch guy team first guy he's gonna be they signed him the first thing i thought of when they signed him was like okay they're, they're they're signing him to be on special teams that like that's he he's gonna be a scout team guy that's gonna try to earn his way as a gunner on on, on special teams um is he gonna bring you anything else he's a little undersized i you know when he was at with the raging cajuns they said he was 510 i thought that was a little generous um he's 510 200 pound guy uh he, he's gonna he's gonna fight hard Local kid, he's from the state, grew up rooting for the Saints, quality guy, academic, on a roll, the whole nine yards. One of those coaches, you know, coaches dream players, does everything the right way, earns his keep on the team, earns a scholarship, you know, doesn't complain, team captain, that kind of thing. Will he make an immediate impact for this team? Eh, probably not. Uh, can he earn his way on the team as a special teams player, especially with all the roster issues when it comes to depth that the saints are going to have entering camp, then I'd say, yeah, I think that's probably going to be a spot scout team guy. He'll be hanging out with Will Clapp uh, on, on the scouting. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, the saints right now are running a virtual rookie camp. So they don't have the guys in the building and it's mostly virtual stuff. So my guess is that if you're getting signed based on kind of the interview process and what they're going through right now, you've got to be able to impress them in a setting very much like this, right? So it's like you're winning them with your personality, your your ability to maybe dissect game film, uh, you know, he's it's immensely the, the, smart. The, spoken, the spoken element, if you will. He's, he, he is, he's a very good interview. 
always gracious, very impressive. He's one of those things when you're covering a team, especially a college team, you go, wow, he's a very impressive young man. That's how people usually describe Deuce Wallace when he played for the Cajuns. So I can see why they would be like, hey, this guy, he's Johnny on the spot, really smart, hard worker. You need those guys. You know, you, you, you need those guys to, to be on your team. And the fact that he was able to get a job and get, you know, signed without even really being in person for it speaks volumes about how he interviews. Now, once again, you can interview great all day long and that's all great. But um, if you can't perform once you get on the field, uh, you're, you're coming back home. So Deuce is going to have to earn his spot for sure. But I think it's a promising, a prom, uh, a promising signing and he could play a role on special teams. How can we, can we talk for five seconds about ULL versus just Louisiana? Yes, yes, yes. I'll, 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 well, I'll explain it. What, what's what's your take on all this? So, as for someone who's not from this area, I find it to be completely kind of just uh, uh, amusing to know. So, the university to break it down, the university is actually called University of Louisiana at Lafayette. So, when they have graduation ceremony tomorrow at the Cajun Dome, that's what's going to be on their diploma. Now, the athletic department pushed for branding purposes and was successful for the Sunbelt Conference to embrace it and now the NCAA to be referred to as Louisiana. Mm. They were able to work on it. Now, let me tell you, I worked in Alexandria for 10 years. I worked in Monroe for a year. We called it Funroe. That's a story for another day. And it was routinely anything that came out. I worked for Gannett. So they had papers in Shreveport, Monroe, Alexandria, Lafayette, and Opelousas. So anytime any of the other papers in the state would pick up a story from the Daily Advertiser about the Raging Cajuns, it would have in there, the universe, for a while, they wanted to be called UL instead of ULM. And, they, and then, it, then it became Louisiana. So I remember any boss I had at any of those North Louisiana, Central Louisiana papers, they'd always change it. They're like, you're not Louisiana. You're not the University of Louisiana. Stop it. And they would change it. So there was all this pettiness, even in the newspaper industry, in, in media about how to reference the, to the team. I think it's all stupid and silly. I'm, I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you. How I jokingly say on the radio, I call them, you know, you still have people that show up with USL hats. Because that's what it was called when Jake DeLone was throwing the right. football around. Southwest Louisiana. Right. And so I just... It's all silly. I, I find it the most amusing thing I find, and both sides are sensitive about it, but the thing I find most amusing about it is how much it bothers LSU fans. And I go to LSU fan, I go, why does it bother you? It, if it they're your little me. brother, if, if they are your little brother, you shouldn't care. You're, you're LSU. Like, no one even says Louisiana State University. They call you LSU. No one's ever going to confuse Louisiana Raging Cajuns with the LSU Tigers. It's yeah. never going to happen. Never, never. Hell, ESPN struggles to get UL's logo right. They always put up Lehigh. Okay, so they, they get confused. So I just don't see the bother from the LSU fan about it because I get it, but you're LSU. Like, your shadow across the state of Louisiana is immense. It's crippling to about every other athletic program in the in the state. And especially since Why the last 20 care? years they've won three national titles and played for a fourth. Like, 
I'm with you. Like, why did like I don't care. Like, they could be Louisiana if they want. Like, the thing I was gonna ask you, Raymond, as we, the last thing about you, Louisiana or you, you I, I want to call them Mulala, so I'll call them that. Uh, <laughs> one thing about them is how frustrating it is. This really is the best they've ever been. Like, this is going to be the first time they're going to have a football coach that they're not going to fire. Like, he's going to leave and get a bigger job. People might not realize that. Like, no Lafayette, Louisiana Lafayette coach has ever, like, done well enough at Louisiana to get a bigger gig. They always get fired. And HUD did. HUD, HUD did. But then HUD Smith, Mark HUD Smith, stayed too long and then the wheels fell off right then came yeah, the NCAA stripping of victories and the, the test scores and then the players recording the Trump video and then losses piled up and so things went off the rails yeah, that, was, for that, him. Was un, that was unfortunate yeah so things things went off the rails for HUD but you know he always wanted that dream job he always wanted the Mississippi State job and, but he didn't he didn't bolt when he had the chance when he took him to four straight bowl games and they won nine games every year and then it went off the side. But you're right. Billy Napier's turning down interviews with Auburn and South Carolina, right? So that that's that, that's where that's what he's done with the, the Cajuns. And he's convinced them when he took the job that he wanted to have the highest payroll in the Sun Belt Conference. And guess what? He has it. They've invested facilities because he learned under Saban. That's where he they have the one of the biggest coaching staffs in the Sun Belt. He's he has a nationally ranked program. Like they're gonna be they may be ranked higher than Texas. For the I opener, so. September fourth. Let 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 that wash over your brain that there's a chance <laughs> that the raging Cajuns could be ranked higher than I the Longhorns. Just long had a seizure. I, I just you know so I, I just you know it, they appreciate it, but man, like I just I, I've complained about it a lot. No one shows up, like literally, no one shows up. No one shows up for the games, and they didn't show up before COVID. Like Cajun Field holds, I do believe, 39,500 is their max capacity. They, and they have tickets for like $10 two years ago. They reduced their concessions down to dollar hot dogs and $2 beers. And they still couldn't get people to come. They still couldn't get and people yet, to come. And yet somehow, now that they have Juice Wallace, the Saints have more players from that university than they do from LSU. Christian Ringo. That's right. Yep. There you go. All right, Raymond, let's talk about uh, the Saints this year for a sec. Uh, I'm assuming like everyone else under the sun, you're a Jameis guy. You're not a tasting guy. So a uh, two-part question. First, confirm that. Confirm to me I that think... you're Team Jameis. <laughs> and then I, I, after, you, after, after you confirm that, what's your outlook on this season? Like Ralph and I text, we talk about this all the time. And I'm like, you Nick Underhill, you know, he, he's kind of like, yeah, he, he's gotta be positive. Right. Cause the saints feed him information. So yeah, he, he's been saying 12 and five, mm. you know, I, I've been saying 10 and seven and I, that feels optimistic, but like, you're, I feel like you're like, you're sort of a saints fan, but like, you're not afraid to be negative in the sense that like, you know, you're, you, you, you've got to cover, you've got to stay unbiased. And so I, I feel like you ride both sides of the fence. So like, g- give us your take. Like, how does the season go? Okay. I, I will. I will. Yes. I, I think Jameis gives them the best chance to win because having Taysom line up at tight end or wide receiver 
gives you a better chance to win than having him at quarterback. So I look at having the most weapons on the field at the same time is a benefit. So that's that's where I fall in there. And I think Jameis just has better arm talent. He just he, he, I, And I believe Sean Payton can work wonders with him. As for the, 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 the fandom thing, look, I grew up, always appreciated the Saints. I've been to Saints games. Uh, I grew up um, as a – the proper way of saying it now is what the Washington football team. I have to be careful with my words. And I grew up that way because my old man was a Dallas Cowboys fan, and I was like, I'm not rooting for the Dallas Cowboys. So I was like, I like this team. This is the team that makes my old man mad. So I'm rooting for John Riggins and Dexter Manley and <laughs> Daryl Green and Art Monk and uh, all the hogs. And, you know, I got a Riggins jersey. I've actually worn my Riggins jersey to a Redskins Saints game. Um, and so I got to you know, stop you right there. If my son rooted for the Falcons, he'd be slip, sleeping in the street. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, yeah, but I think I think my old man appreciated the fact that I wanted to rebel <laughs> against him. Um, but I do also remember my old man, God rest his soul. Uh, he he, I, I do believe he finally rubbed it in my face when Joe Theismann's leg came off by Lawrence Taylor on Monday Night Ooh, Football. Yeah, and he's he's like, well, there's your quarterback, and I was like, thanks, old man, that's great. I'm like, you know, I'm like six. Appreciate you. I'm mortified now. So, you know, for for this for this year's team, I. I don't believe they addressed the concerns that I needed them to address. And, and what I mean by that is I think they're fine at quarterback. I love the fact that they were able to keep Latavius Murray. I, I feel like they're going to run the ball more for whatever reason. I have no proof because every time I think Sean Payton should run the ball more, he doesn't. And it, it makes me bang my head against the cinder block wall, but it feels with Murray and Kamara and they bring the, the fullback from Carolina, who's putting people on arm bars, MMA style would be carjackers. Like, okay, I get it. You get a pat, you get a run blocking tight end. And, but they're, they sh- they're counting on a lot of first year or second year players to carry a lot of the workload for them. And they don't have the depth behind them. And my concern for the Saints is A, they never addressed defensive tackle, by the way. That, that, that still hasn't happened. They got yeah. the guy from Kansas City, who's a rotational edge guy and a special teams player. Uh, they they get they picked up Davenport's option. Who's replacing Malcolm Brown? Because I don't see him or Sean Fat Rank, guy like, to be who's determined. Replacing him? I think I think there's I think right. they'll is, do is, it. Is, I is it shy think they haven't done it yet. No, it's not. I don't think they're on the roster yet. Right. So the the, the anchor of their defense in this run of the last four or five years has been the run defense. That's right. Well, uh, you, you you haven't fixed that. Who's going to be the number two wide receiver? Look, they've worked wonders with guys that have undrafted and late draft round Traquan? picks. Traquan? Is it Traquan? It feels like it should be Traquan. But Callaway? yet we're sitting here asking the question, right? It, are you really going to depend on Deontay Harris to be your number two? I love yeah. Deontay Harris, but he's too tiny. You can't – he can't he, – he's got – he always well, has like limited Dave amount of fun. Was here, he'd be beating, beating the drum for uh, little Jordan Humphrey. Oh, oh well, what a great name. What a great training camp story that we have to write every year for a guy that doesn't make an impact. So, um, Touchdown, Raven. How just, dare you? How dare I'm you? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He's a great – remember, what was it was Cyril Grayson that everyone right. was writing stories about? Yeah. And then, yeah. You know, he doesn't even make the roster. So, and look, I got his autograph. I went to training camp, took my wife. We went to training camp and had, had a good time a few years ago. The year they drafted McCoy, and uh, we got to meet him. So, 
there's look, I think the offensive line is fine, but I worry about the depth behind it. And they they always get once it's either Armstead or, or Pete that gets injured. So who's going to back them up? Who's going to be the number two wide receiver? Um, they, they draft to get the guy out of Ohio state that everyone loves, but you know, they also told us how much they love Zach ball, uh, you know, Zach Bond the year before. Yeah. And I hated that pick when they did it. And I hate it even more now. Uh, that's, so that's a terrible pick. you know, everyone's banking on them for Quan because I, I keep being told that Quan to the saints is a done deal. They're just going to wait for him to get healthy and he's going to rejoin the team and they're going to figure it out. Okay. Let's say I buy that. He's still coming off major injury. So how is he going to be the player he was before he got hurt? And who the hell is going to be the number two corner? Are you really going to count on the kid from Stanford, who I love, by the way? I thought that was their best draft pick. I love that pick. Are you going to throw him out there? Yes. To replace Jackrabbit? Or are you going to depend on Patrick Robinson? So I have all these questions. Richard Sherman? I have (laughs) have, Richard Sherman. The, yes, over the hill, Richard Sherman. That that'll be a difference maker. So, I, I mean, look, he, he, I worry about how he fits in that scheme too. But I know they got the guy with the link to him on the coaching staff now. But I don't know. There's, I I, I don't make predictions. I don't do schedule predictions. I just because so much can happen. This feels like a playoff team. This feels like a borderline playoff team. I, I'll, I'll put it that. This feels like a team fighting for a wild card spot. It just does because Tampa brought back everything, and everything and they finally got bruce arians to put his ego in check to call plays the way he should have to utilize the running game and once they figured out they didn't lose another game after they only carried it five times against the saints so if they have him and byron left which all on the same page and they brought back the whole gang everyone taking the friendly deals like Gronk they and were Antonio the healthiest Brown. team my my hope with them is they were the healthiest team in the nfl i'm hoping that that'll swing against them this year you would think that you, you would you, you would think that, but you know, and uh, but I don't know. This feels like a, a unless they make some other type of moves. Like okay, they, they well let, let's think of it. Moves. Let's think of it this way, Raymond. So let's spin it positive. Uh, and you okay? You can't say like Jameis has a Pro Bowl season because quarterback is is too easy of an answer. But what what in your mind has to happen this year? Given all the things that you just laid out, you know, the Saints are just not the roster they've been the last several years. What's the one thing that turns it on a dime for you? What's the one thing that's not, you know, Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill, like the quarterback just blows up and plays elite football? Like, what's the one thing where you're like, oh, okay, that that changes the game. Like, if that happens for the Saints, maybe they are going to have a great season. If Alvin Kamara can play like Christian McCaffrey, I, I, if he can have that type of season. Remember, Peyton told us that, what was it, two years ago, that he expected Kamara to be the first running back since Marshall Falk to be a 1,000-yard receiver and a 1,000-yard rusher? Yeah. And ended up being Christian McCaffrey, right? If they can figure out a way to when, – when, look, when AK is healthy, we can make the argument that he's the best running back, all-purpose back in the NFL. He's never healthy for a full season. He's always a little bit nicked up. If you could get him to play like McCaffrey did, which was an MVP level two years ago, this team could win the division. But I don't know if Peyton's going to be committed to that. 
if he's going to uh, allow that. That's the other big question mark for me, Andrew, is we've seen Sean Payton adjust his game plan, his play calling, to fit Teddy Bridgewater so they could win games, to fit Taysom Hill so they could win games. Is he going to do that with Jameis Winston, or is he going to try to make Jameis Winston true Brees? And that's what I'm curious about too. Like, that, 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 or, or are you are you going to put him in the best in, in the best position? Look, I think the defense they'll figure out the run defense. They'll figure out someone to play corner good enough for them to win games. Linebacker is still a question mark for me. Who the hell is going to be the number two wide receiver or just a number two wide receiver an option on this team? Uh, maybe it's not wide receiver. I'm maybe gonna, Troutman. I'm going to tell you the, the guy that would change the game for me. And it's got a negative connotation, too. If Troutman becomes Kelsey, it changes the game. But it does have a downside. They gave up four picks for him, Raymond. If they, if Troutman Ooh. ends up being like a great tight end, that will feed the Saints trade-up addiction in a way that becomes wholly unhealthy. Because you won't be able to tell them nothing then. Because they'll be like, yeah, yeah, shut up. We traded four picks for Troutman. Like, it could be, it could be, Andrew, I really worry about it. Like, it, it, if, if he becomes like <laughs> Travis Kelsey, it becomes is, is it almost that you want him to be bad, Ralph, so that they don't trade up anymore? No, but he, I think there's a, I think there's a level of, of good that I, that I don't want him to exceed. Like, I don't want him to be, like, he can be above average, but I don't he think I want, like, stunted. Like, he can be, like, shocky with the Saints good, but he can't be any better because if he's better, their trade-up be addiction, it becomes yeah. unhealthy. Right now, it's borderline unhealthy. I like unhealthy. Raymond's answer. I got to say, I, I like Raymond's answer because it's like Camaro's been great every year he's been in the league. Even when he was injured, you know, he, he fought through it and played pretty good. So, Camaro's been great, but if he goes supernova, I agree with Raymond that that's – like they could ride his coattails to a division title. They really could. Like if he goes peak Le'Veon Bell, you know, if he goes peak Marshall Falk, there's very little you can do as a defense to stop Kamara as is. But if he's on that level, I think Raymond's right. Now I think he could be. Now can he do that for 17 games? Can he stay healthy? You know, can he sustain it? That's a question mark. But like if if he's on that level, Christian McCaffrey then I, I'm with Raymond. That is a game changer. Because then every week, you got a guy putting up 200 yards. No, Yeah, if he can be Marshall Falk, if, 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 if he can be Marshall Falk for them, I mean, that, that, that's going to free up everything. That's going to – Thomas is not going to get double teamed, which I worry about that's going to happen this year, especially him coming off an injury and not having a, a true number two out there. That That's going to free up Troutman to do – um, to, to, to get favorable coverage. I mean, oh man. And, and you keep, look, he, he has the potential. He, he really does. He, he has, he has, he has the potential. I just, you know, I, I'm curious. I, I think to be honest with you, objectively speaking, they're one of the more fascinating teams. Not, not only because of Breeze being gone, but Jameis having an opportunity and he's, he's, he's saying all the right things, isn't he? Saying well, all that, the right things at every camp he goes to, he's saying the right things. He's working out with the wide receivers. He's doing everything you want him to do. But is he going to be able to handle if he throws, say, two picks in week two? <laughs> is he going to be able to bounce back from that? That's going to be huge. That's going to be key. 
Well, that's what one thing I said last night on the locker room show that if you look at the Saints, the further they go into the season, if their if their turnover differential is negative, that's bad for Jameis. But my final question to you, Raymond, is one thing that you just mentioned about how the Saints being interesting. I was really surprised with the schedule, with no Drew Brees, that the Saints got the maximum of the five preseason game, the five national primetime games. Because uh, that's as many as you can get if you're a team. They limit teams to five. The Saints got all five. I was surprised at that, that that, that ESPN and, and NBC and, and the like, they still look at the Saints, even Fox, they're putting, they're putting the Saints on first game of the week, 3.30. Like, they still look at the Saints as a national brand, an interesting team post-Breeze. I was surprised by that. I thought, I thought it would ramp down to two or three national games and it would sort of be like a, like a wait and see. They're not a glamour team anymore, but I was wrong. They they still are one of the glamour teams, at least for this year. Uh, I'm going to tell you why, and not because I have insider information. I was surprised as well. They're also a team that if, you, if you've been paying attention, the Saints are becoming a team that other fans, national fans, love to hate. That's it. And not just from Atlanta. Okay, so because they view the Saints and their fans as whiners, and that's not correct. Is it more? Is it that? Is it more that, or is it more Sean Payton? Well, look, Sean Sean Payton. We've talked about this. There's no better version of Sean Payton than Petty Sean Payton. (laughs) So, so in 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 it's so like the the whole schedule being leaked. Of course, it was the Saints was the one team that had its schedule completely leaked six hours before the NFL's release party. That's a total middle finger. You know, two finger. You know, a salute to to Roger Goodell and and the Shield. Okay, so part of it is Sean Payton. He's intriguing. He rubs people the wrong way. Michael Thomas is a star. Um, Alvin Kamara is a star. Cam Jordan is just hilarious, and he's you know a star. So they have interesting personalities, and they have the post Drew Brees thing. Winston moves the needle too. I hate to say it, he he does. A lot of people don't want to hear that, but Winston moves the needle and people are intrigued. So I'm surprised that there's more, but a large part of it is they're a team that other fan bases love to hate. Uh, you get more eyes on those games. Look at look, Always look at the ratings when the Saints are in primetime. They're some of the best games every year. I, I, you know, And Drew hasn't played in some of those games. So in the recent years, so I think it's I think that's part of it as well, because they're the team that people are starting to like to hate. Ralph, you know how I follow the Falcoholic on Twitter and I like to hate read their that's comments right. Right. and their tweet when they're losing, especially I like to see what their followers reply to the tweets and how they just get really sad about the Falcons. I, I'm realizing as I hear Raymond say this stuff that people hate watch the Saints. They do. It's a thing. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they. People hate watch the Saints, and the media, the national media, and especially football writers. The New Orleans, we're not gonna watch the Super Bowl. We're gonna have a party. We're gonna have a parade. Like that incensed national football writers on a level that I just I still don't quite understand why that made them so mad but they were mad about New Orleans partying on the Super Bowl day and then not watching it and the ratings tanking like that made people that made national football writers mad and I and, and now that you've brought that up Raymond that 
people love to hate the Saints. I think that's true, and I didn't fa- I didn't factor that into my five and why they got five national games. But I think you I think you I think you're correct. And you know what? I'm cool with the Saints being a villain. It's it to me it's fun. I'm an Astros fan. Everybody hates the Astros, and I love it because they're still good. And I just don't care. Like I just lean just. And- and here's the thing, into you it. can become a national brand that way. Al Davis yep. did that with the Raiders for for 40 years. That's so right. there's nothing wrong with being the bad guy, okay? Just and ask Will this, Wade. No, it just ask <laughs> Will Wade, American Gangster, right? It's just it, it's, there, there's 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 something about that. There's something about – People like rooting for a villain, and they have they have characters. They they do they have characters. I have a question for you two. Oh, you didn't think that was going to happen, did you? You, you no, didn't think I was going to flip in the script? Oh, here we go. Do you guys remember going to the Saints caravans back in the day? I never did, but I remember they had. I know they have them, and they still. I still hear them about them for the Astros. They do it. They do it. They do it for the Astros, and I went to one, and I just wish that they would do that again. And I hope that they think about doing that, especially post COVID. Cause I remember uh, living in Alexandria, my buddy, Mike, the one who screamed at the, the car radio um, and, and, and shed some tears <laughs> and had a mild stroke. So we, we go one time and they, they come to Alexandria and they, they go all over the state. And this would have been, I'm trying to think it was when boo Williams was on the team and oh, Charles what a Grant. Oh, it was John Stinchcomb's rookie year. That would have been, what, 2003, I think? Mm-hmm. So, I think so, Ashley Ambrose, John Stinchcomb, Charles Grant, Boo Williams comes, Jim Hazlitt's there. They're all at the Alexandria Mall. Oh, it's, it was a glorious time. So, I get my picture taken with Charles Grant. I get the little black and white um, autograph. I get one of John Stinchcomb because time was running out and I couldn't get over to Ambrose. And plus, the line was short for Stinchcomb, not knocking John. He ended up being a good pro for the Saints. But I was like, hey, he's a big offensive lineman. I got to give him some love. So I asked my buddy Mike, I was like, hey, man, Jim Hazlitt's over there. Do you want to get his autograph? <laughs> and he just starts, he's like, he's like, F that guy. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I says, well, what about Boo Williams? He says, yeah. He says, I'll, I'll go with Boo. So we're waiting in line to get Boo Williams' autograph. And he gives us the autograph, but then we also have a photo opportunity. Well, a TV reporter decides that he wants to kind of just break through the line and interview Boo to the side. And my buddy Mike's kind of disappointed. He's like, oh man, we're, we're not going to be able to get our photo taken with Boo Williams. And I was like, I was like, I was like, I was like, F this. I just get out of line. I go, I go Boo. And he looks up at me and he's got a, you know, got a big chain cross on. He looks up and he's like, my man, he goes, I'm doing this interview with TV. And I go, yeah, I know that, but I don't care about TV, man. I came here to see you, my man. And he got up and stopped the TV interview I took a picture with me and my, <laughs> me and my guy, and I just, and I remember that like, I remember how cool that was. You know, it, it's it, look, Boo Williams was never a great player, but that was a cool moment. And I know the Saints do the thing with training camp, and I've gone a couple of times. I took my buddy Mike one year down, uh, and went and covered and went and got him. We got uh, got tickets, and then I took my wife, and you get to meet some of the players and everything. But it wasn't the same. Like it, it meant something that the Saints left New Orleans to go out to the rest of the state into the Gulf Coast because they own the Gulf Coast and they own the state. And they stopped doing that. Like they stopped doing that with the Sean Payton era. And I don't know. I mean, 
how cool do you guys think that would be if they were able I to mean, bring I that think back? It, I think it would be cool. I think it helps grow the fan base. The thing is, they just, as we wrap up here, the thing is, they don't have as much of a need, right? Because they, they, when they had to do those caravans, I remember them. Like, because in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, like, they had to move tickets. Like, they didn't sell out the Superdome. So you had to go to Lafayette to convince people, hey, buy the tickets. It's worth the trip coming down, you know, and, and try to fire up the fan base. Now, there's a waiting list for tickets. The caravan isn't so much needed for that, but I think it's a good thing because I think it I think it builds fans long term, grabs them young, gets you know memories and that sort of thing. So I'm all for it. I wish they would. I wish they would sort of try to figure out a way to uh, to bring it back. I mean that that Saints caravan. I'll, I'll use that as, as my point because of that Saints caravan. My buddy Mike from Alexandria was a season ticket holder the next year and drove down for every home game from Alexandria, which is more than a three hour trip. But you see, but you see, but you see, I'm saying, but you're, you're right, Ralph. They don't need the caravan because once they were resurrected and came back after Katrina, they've sold out every year and the whole state loves them and everyone's a Saints fan now. And they don't need to go begging to have people come and buy season tickets for nosebleed seats in, in the Superdome. They don't need to do that. But I don't know, man, it's maybe just a little nostalgic on uh, nostalgia on my part, but. I don't know. I think that would be great, especially post-COVID. Raymond, before we get out of here, tell people how they can find you at 1037 The Game in Lafayette uh, so they can listen to you. Well, we uh, you can listen to us on uh, Google Home, on your Alexa device. You just uh, tell it to scan for 1037 The Game. We have a free mobile app as well, 1037 The Game. And, of course, uh, you can uh, follow me on the uh, the twitter machine at rp3 that's roman numeral by the way because it's fancy underscore and then sports and the reason why my twitter handle is that is because i had an old twitter handle and then i forgot the password and had to create a new one a few (laughs) years ago so the one that i did have was already taken by another raymond who is actually me Love Thanks, it. Well, Dave they, Chappelle they, called Twitter they have a great show. Wall. Definitely check them out. And I, I, I have to say, their producer, uh, Louis Prejean, he, he is about as big of a Pelicans fan as, as as there is. I mean, he really is off the charts, super fan with the Pelicans. So I always enjoy calling. You know, when they call me right before the show, and I get to talk with him a little bit before I go live on the air with Raymond. You know, I kind of get my like little Pelicans fix with Lewis. So it's well, well, nice. well, well, Bud, we're gonna have to have you on next week because that's ending. Next week is his last oh. week. Oh. <laughs> well, sorry to hear that. The, the, no, the... he's 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 his his girlfriend is an aspiring actress. She got into some type of film academy. They're moving to Hollywood. Wow, we we'll have to. I feel wow. Bad. Well, it's good news for him, but you know the Pelicans that they they won't they won't be around to disappoint us three times a week until the fall. So, Raymond, this has been tremendous. We're gonna have you back on, I promise. So, guys, follow him, follow him, listen to one hundred three seven the game, follow him on the Twitter machine or the bathroom wall, as Dave Chappelle calls it. Uh, I'm Ralph. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Raymond. And we will see you. We'll actually, sorry, we'll see you Sunday night on the Big Show. <laughs>